Hello, happy Easter. Welcome to the Will Preach for Food podcast. I'm Doug, I'm pastor at Faith Lutheran Church based out of Shelton, Washington. We are a congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, and you can learn more about us at our website, www.faithshelton.org. I want to thank you for listening today. It was Benjamin Franklin who once said, nothing is certain but death and taxes. He actually wrote that about five months before his own death on April 17th, 1790. So today is actually the 232nd anniversary of the death of Benjamin Franklin. A little factoid there for you. The truth is that there is precious little in life that is certain. Taxes and government? Check. Mortality rates hovering right at 100%? Check. Well, Christians believe that there's a third certainty, resurrection from the dead. And that is the bold proclamation of Easter Sunday, that Christ is risen, he is risen indeed. So today we're going to discuss the resurrection of Jesus and what it means for us today. Today's title is Death, Taxes, and Easter. Grab a Bible and we'll start with a reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and then the Easter Gospel according to St. Luke, the 24th chapter. We begin with a reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We'll start at verse 19. Paul writes, if, for, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ, the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come, and when he hands over the kingdom of God to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Here ends the reading. In the Holy Gospel for this Easter Sunday, from Luke, the 24th chapter, beginning at the first verse. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, The women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered over into the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. And this is the gospel of the Lord. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Alleluia. Sisters and brothers in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The death and resurrection of Jesus, it's a pretty big deal. It's kind of our thing as Christians, right? We believe and teach that Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. And then on the third day, he rose again. 
Easter is the third day. Good Friday was the first day. The execution of Jesus of Nazareth, his willing suffering and death on the cross, taking place on a Friday about noon. By mid-afternoon, he had breathed his last. Before the sun went down that day, his friends and followers took down the body, placed it in a cave-shaped tomb with an entrance covered by a big old stone. We call it Good Friday because Christ's self-sacrifice reveals the goodness of God, the extent to which God is willing to demonstrate God's love for you and for me. The second day, Saturday, the Jewish Sabbath, The women and the other disciples go home and they rest, they wait. In the Orthodox Christian tradition, uh, Holy Saturday is seen as the day that Jesus descended into hell and liberated the saints of old. It's the third day, Easter Sunday, the first day of the week, the eighth day of creation. Early in the morning, as the sun rises in the eastern sky, the Son of God rises from the dead. The women arrive at an empty tomb met by angel messengers. Why do you look for the living among the dead, they ask. Jesus isn't here, they explain, for he has risen. The women tell the men, who are as clueless as Adam was in the garden. It wasn't until the end of that day, after Jesus had made a series of public in-the-flesh appearances, that doubt and grief are transformed into faith and joy. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Easter Sunday is the third day, an empty tomb, a risen Lord Jesus. Every Sunday in this sense is a celebration of Easter, a celebration of the the risen Christ Jesus. Every Sunday is Easter. We are Easter people. Like I said, it's kind of our thing. It's a pretty big deal. Still, Easter sort of feels late this year. Why is Easter so late this year? Which is itself sort of a strange question. I mean, Christmas is never late. Tax day is never late. But Easter? Well, it turns out that Easter is celebrated on the first Sunday after the full moon that occurs on or after the spring equinox. As such, it can land anywhere from March 23rd to April 23rd. This year, Easter is late. It's April 17th. Next year, it's on April 9th. And in 2024, we'll have an early Easter. March 31st. Why can't we just declare the first Sunday in April a national holiday, call it Easter, make it predictable, marketable, easy to remember? I mean, don't you think Congress could even agree on that? Well, maybe not. At the same time, maybe we're not supposed to be able to pin down Easter. After all, Easter is about resurrection from the dead, and death, while certain, is itself unpredictable. And since death is the only real prerequisite for resurrection, if you think about it, maybe having Easter being the first Sunday after the full moon following the spring equinox isn't such a bad idea after all. It is as certain and yet unpredictable as the death that necessarily precedes it. Well, Regardless of when we celebrate Easter, every spring, every Sunday, I want to give you a framework or a lens through which it might be helpful to think about the significance of Easter, of resurrection for our lives today. And I want to give you the, this idea, an idea of vindication, the proving that something is true, the divine, I told you so. This is the sense of when I say that the resurrection vindicates Jesus. After all, he said it would go down this way, and it did. 
For God to raise him from the dead proves once and for all that Jesus was who said, Jesus said he was, the Messiah, the Son of God, the way, the truth, the resurrection, and the life. So say the angels at the empty tomb that first Easter morning. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Christ is vindicated on Easter because Christ reveals that it's, it, he is exactly who he said he was. Philippians 2 says it this way, Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a, as a human being, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Easter vindicates Jesus. Easter also vindicates the Christian faith, the good news, the proclamation that the kingdom of God has come, that the Holy Spirit now resides in the hearts and lives of people like you and me. After all, if what Jesus said would happen did, if Jesus is who Jesus says he is, then what he teaches must also be true and trustworthy. The example he lives must be true and trustworthy. His commands and compassion must be true and trustworthy. His promises, true and trustworthy. This is what the Apostle Paul wrote about in 1 Corinthians 15, when he said, if for this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all people to be most pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So the Christian faith is vindicated. Our life as Easter people is vindicated. And so we swim in the waters of baptism, dying daily to sin and rising to newness of life, walking in the rhythm of death and resurrection. It's beautiful in the Roman Catholic tradition, one invitation to participate in Holy Communion goes like this. It says, let us go up to the table of the Lord as if approaching our death, so that one day we may approach our death as if we were going up to the table of the Lord. So Jesus is vindicated. The Christian faith is vindicated. Humanity itself is vindicated. That's what the language of death coming through Adam is talking about. It's an awareness of original sin and how it contributes to our suffering and separation from God. As in Adam, all die. Adam ate the, ate the apple, and it's been downhill for humanity since then. If humans are finally defined only by our sinful condition, then we aren't worth the carbon footprint we leave behind. For since death came through a human being, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a human being. For as in Adam, all die. So in Christ, all will be made alive. The death of Jesus acknowledges the cost of our sin, the consequences of our sin, but his resurrection vindicates human experience, revealing that we are more than our sins. We sin, but we are not defined by our sin. Even the worst of human history and violence is held and even borne by God. Even the darkest parts of our lives can be redeemed, healed, 
used to glorify God, to teach us compassion. I don't know that I want to say that we can conceive of original sin as part of God's plan, but certainly Easter shows us that sin could not and has not undone the will of God. Humanity is vindicated by Easter. And then I would also suggest that Easter vindicates death. It reveals that death, even death, is a part of God's good creation. Death is not outside of God's domain, but a part of it. Death is not the end, but rather a sign, a mechanism of God's ongoing creative work in the universe. Paul writes again in that, in that chunk of 1 Corinthians 15, that the last enemy to be defeated is death. Death is the one remaining enemy to be overcome. The word for enemy here has to do with a hostile force. It's the final thing that we hate and fear most, the last force that's out there that brings a sense of dread and foreboding. Death is is the boogeyman lurking under the bed. Winter is coming. We don't talk about Bruno. No, no, no. We don't talk about death. It's too scary. But on Easter, things change. Now, let's be clear. Easter doesn't signal a change in the law of nature. Human mortality still hovers right about 100%. As in Adam, all die. That truth hasn't changed. But in a different sense, in the profound sense, Easter has defeated death. It has rendered it inoperable. It's no longer the threat that it once was. Death has been right-sized, put in its place. Paul will say later in chapter 15 that death has lost its sting. So that a thousand years later, St. Francis of Assisi could understand this when he sings, Praise to you, my Lord, through sister death, from whom no one living can escape. Even death is held, redeemed by God, a beloved and precious sister. For Christ has been raised, revealing that his power is not merely against sin, but is in fact over. It's not merely against death, but is in fact over death. And finally, one more vindication. Easter vindicates Jesus. Easter vindicates the Christian faith. Easter vindicates humanity. Easter vindicates death. And Easter finally even vindicates God, or at least God's creation. Showing, proving, demonstrating that all the pieces finally do fit together. In God's creation, there are no missing parts, no gaps, no outliers. Nothing is wasted. No one is left behind. All of creation with its diversity and messiness and beauty, the seasons, the rhythm of life and death and rebirth, day and night and everything in between, mountains and oceans and everything in between, black skin and white skin and everything in between, male and female and everything in between, deserts and rainforests, and everything in between, mosquitoes and Marionberry pie, death, taxes, and Easter. It's all made good, all held in the mercy and power and steadfast love of God. Thus, right, Paul writes this to his congregation in Rome. Romans chapter 8, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? 
no one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Benjamin Franklin got it mostly right. There are three things that are certain. Taxes, death, and Easter. This Easter and every Easter Sunday, we recall and celebrate the empty tomb, the vindication of Christ, the vindication of the gospel, the vindication of humanity, the vindication of death, the vindication of God's creation. May each one of us live as Easter people, listening to and following a risen Jesus, held in the love and mercy of God, stewards of a beautiful and precious creation, human beings with both gifts and griefs to share. And may we be an Easter church, a welcoming, affirming, beloved community of faith, making Christ known, growing closer to and more like Jesus, serving one another, our neighbors, and the whole world, all to the glory and praise of God. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening, folks. Thank you, Chaz, for your weekly help producing this podcast. Thank you, people of faith, for your partnership in the gospel. Our website, www.faithshelton.org, has resources for knowing Christ and making Christ known, for growing closer to and more like Jesus, and for ways that you can connect with the larger faith community. You can sign up for weekly emails, like us on Facebook, make a financial donation to faith, even subscribe to this We'll Preach for Food podcast. I hope that this, these uh, few minutes have been helpful for your life of faith, and I hope that this podcast has brought glory and honor to God. We conclude with a prayer. Heavenly Father, God of mercy and boundless love, we no longer look for Jesus among the dead, for he is alive and is now revealed as the Lord of life. Increase in our minds and hearts and actions the risen life we now share with Christ and all creation. Send us your Holy Spirit that we may grow into the fullness of the Easter life you have shown us. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Mm -hmm.